the awesome pod mix you are listening to abby the idea behind this podcast was to talk about how certain movies and tv shows made me feel when i watched them for the very first time a reputed filmmaker once said when a piece of art invokes a similar feeling amongst a large audience it's the triumph of the filmmaker that's the magic of cinema i love the magic of cinema Today I'll be talking about the 9th and the season finale episode of Marvel Studios She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Whether Marvel creates movies or TV shows, they are all cinematic. This episode's title is Whose Show Is This? Written by Jessica Gao and directed by Kat Koiro. It's the fourth series to have a Kevin Feige production credit after Hawkeye, Moon Knight and Ms. Marvel. The episode opens with the Marvel Studios title sequence which glitches into a 4 is to 3 aspect ratio exactly like the 1978 TV show The Incredible Hulk. This dream sequence is clearly an homage to that show. Here the title is The Savage She-Hulk like her first comic book issue. We even see Jen say the line, "Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry." This also informs us that Jen has been imprisoned post her gala rampage. Jen wakes up in a similar containment unit like the Abomination at the DODC Supermax prison. Nikki Pug and Mallory pay Jen a visit. Jen inquires if they managed to get a hold of Bruce. Jen wants them to find out every individual who hacked her private information. They need to be held responsible for the targeted attack and be prosecuted. Mallory accuses Jen for taking their bait. Jen was angry and rightly so because this is how anyone would respond in a similar situation. I don't like Mallory's tone when she says Jen is an out of control hulk because that's what all the witnesses saw. Like I've said before, don't blame her for reacting in such a way. Blame the person who caused such a reaction. Mallory has a plea deal for Jen and the terms are same as Emil Blonsky. Jen accepts the plea deal and is released from the DODC Supermax prison. Her parents pick her up and console her for the incident. Jen collects her see you later litigator mug and other belongings from GLKH office. Nikki wants to continue to work there because they pay her well. She Hulk is all over the news post her release from the prison. KZYO12 News calls the incident Gala Gate. The news anchor informs us that one of She-Hulk's anonymous neighbors is uncomfortable with an unstable super being staying next door. Oh, and you weren't uncomfortable when she was attacked in the night in your neighborhood? Hypocrites. Reporters flock outside Jen Walters' house. They ask her if she cares to comment about losing her powers. She didn't lose her superpowers you morons. She's just wearing an inhibitor. Jen's dad is super supportive and offers that she can stay with them if she likes. Jen moves out of her apartment. The reporters now flock outside Jen's parents' house and ask her if she's planning to go to rehab. Jen's father shoes the reporters away with a water hose. In Jen's childhood room There's a poster of Reese Witherspoon's Legally Blonde at the back of her door and Julia Roberts' Erin Brockovich on the wall. Nikki and Jen have prepared a suspects yarn board. Hulk King is the admin of Intelligentsia and the website is owned by several shell companies operating outside of US jurisdiction. How on earth is Jen supposed to sue these guys if she doesn't know who they are? Nikki says Intelligentsia is made up of exclusively dumb dudes. 
One of these guys is going to slip up and they'll give us enough information to track them down. Then we'll find them and destroy them by any and all means. Jen wants to sue them legally for defamation and invasion of privacy. Well, I'm with Nikki on this one. I would destroy them by any and all means. Jen's mom has an old video of Jen dancing during her college, which comes in handy for Nikki to track intelligentsia guys. Dennis Bukowski, Jen's colleague from the DA's office, goes on the show, The Conversation with Jefferson Koo, and blatantly lies about dating Jen and that she was a psycho way before she got her superpowers. This is what you get for saving a jerk from an Asgardian shapeshifter in court. Dennis blames Jen's psycho behavior on her grandmother. Real classy, Dennis. Real classy. I so wanna punch this Dennis the Menace in his stupid face. Jen's mom wants Jen to move the bookcase near the window, but she can't turn into Girl Hulk because of the inhibitor. Jen breaks the fourth wall and says, This is what I wanted, but it doesn't feel right. This isn't even a reluctant superhero story. I'm just getting screwed over. Is this what you guys want? Jen, honey, I did think it was a reluctant superhero story. You most definitely are getting screwed over. I don't want this for you. The narrator takes over saying, Jennifer Walters is a woman at a new low. She has no fight left. Jen says, I don't want to do the narrator thing. I am not that off the rails. Jen takes matters into her own hands. She messages Bruce, whose name is saved as Smug Hulk, but the message doesn't deliver because he's at Sakar. She messages Blonsky too, but even that message isn't delivered. I was suspicious for a moment, then I remembered Summer Twilights doesn't get cell reception. Jen wants to take up on Blonsky's offer to go and stay over at Summer Twilights. She's not running away from her problems, it's a mental health break. Hulk King replies to Nikki's video of Jen dancing and invites them to a private event. Nikki realizes the intelligentsia people think it's a guy, so Nikki asks Pug for a favor. Jen reaches Blonsky's summer twilights and meets Wrecker. She then goes on to read Blonsky's deep haikus. The book sucks. Pug and Nikki arrive at the intelligentsia event and it's at summer twilights. Sweet mother of Lord, is Blonsky involved with the intelligentsia? I thought Todd was the one running the website for the hateful man-babies. Pug is reluctant to attend the event and mingle with the trolls. But Nikki assures him she would feed him lines through the earbud. She even suggests Pug to refer to women as females. Thank you, Jessica, for mentioning this. People need to learn and refer to women as women, not females. Even to those who identify as women. Now at the Intelligentsia event, those dweebs are saying things like, Why does there even need to be a She-Hulk? It's not like there's a He-Hulk. Call Bruce He-Hulk, who's stopping you? And one of you morons gave her the name She-Hulk on the news. Also, Jen did not choose to be a Hulk. I would prefer to call her Jen Hulk instead. They even comment about Lady Thor and their exact words are, Hey, she sucks. I'm not saying that because she's female. I would have the exact same criticisms if she was a man. Really? We all know a bunch of people on the internet who talk like this. Todd spots Pug and calls him Mother Pugger. Smart. Todd thinks Pug rules and is hot. Well, he is hot. Do you have the hots for Pug, Todd? 
You can tell us it's a safe space. Todd asks a bunch of questions. Is She-Hulk better than the Hulk? Maybe, who knows? Is She-Hulk stronger than the Hulk? Well, they're both equally strong. Is She-Hulk as smart as the Hulk? Yeah, both are equally smart. But of course, the response of all the men at the event is a resounding no. Todd continues to say she wouldn't even have the powers without him. Agreed, she didn't even want them. It pains Todd to act like she earned everything. According to him, superpowers should go to the best person for the job. How do you know she ain't the best and you are? Todd assumes Jen boned Holloway for the job. A. That's not true. And B. That shows systemic oppression at the workplace. It shows people are okay with men using their position of power. They always blame the woman and make inappropriate remarks at her character. Pug learns that Todd is Hulk King and he created Intelligentsia. I can't believe that Abomination not only organized their event, but is also a guest speaker at their event. How and why? Jen spots Abomination motivating these dweebs at the Intelligentsia event. Blonsky apologizes, but it's strictly for profit. Nikki barges in and informs Jen that she needs to get out of there because this is Intelligentsia and Todd is the Hulk King. Todd confesses to hiring Josh to seduce Jen and steal her blood and make the sex tape. He goes on to say that his team synthesized her blood so that he could safely get the powers. As he takes the injection filled with Hulk blood, Todd says, I didn't just get handed superpowers, I had to earn them. It's literally being handed to you. Does irony not hit you in your moron head right now? Because I do want to smack your moron head right now. You didn't earn the powers either. You stole them, you moron. Todd injects himself with the Hulk blood and hulks out. Titania barges in breaking the walls. Isn't this messy enough? Jen is not happy about the direction the season is headed. Hulk Todd attacks Jen, but Abomination comes to her rescue. Bruce literally drops from the sky, breaks the ceiling, and assumes Abomination is hurting Jen. A free-for-all ensues. This can't be for real. What the damn hell is happening? Jen says, what is even happening here? None of these storylines make any sense. Is this working for you? I agree, none of these storylines are making any sense. It definitely is not working for me. The scene transitions to the menu board of Disney Plus Marvel portal. On that portal, there's a featured section that includes titles like She-Hulk, I Am Groot, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, WandaVision, and Marvel Legends. Right below that, there is an origin stories section that includes titles like Captain Marvel, Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings, Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Eternals. Below that, there is a section titled Loki and it includes titles like What If, Loki Series, Marvel's Assembled, Thor Ragnarok, Thor The Dark World, and I'm guessing Thor. Jen breaks the inhibitor, comes out of the She-Hulk window on the portal, swings from Shang-Chi and Loki to Marvel's Assembled. Below the Loki section, there's also Marvel One-Shots section with all the titles, The Consultant, Item 47, Agent Carter, All Hail the King, and A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to Thor's Hammer. 
She-Hulk lands at Disney Studios' Burbank soundstage. We can hear an EPK interviewer asking a question to Russell Bobbitt. EPK is Electronic Press Kit. Russell Bobbitt is the property master of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. EPK interviewer's question is, So tell me about the Infinity Gauntlet. It's amazing. Russell responds, So back when we were working on the first Thor movie, they came to me and asked me to make a gauntlet. I think he's talking about the one in Odin's vault and Hela dismissed it saying it was fake. She-Hulk passes a water tank, Walt Disney and Mickey Mouse's statue at the outdoor cafeteria and then to She-Hulk's production office. The QR code takes you to a special 48-page issue of 1989's Sensational She-Hulk issue number 50. The writer's room is brainstorming ideas for the finale. One of the writers says, Guys, what do we get if the entirety of the second season is an extended dream sequence? Are they poking fun at Moon Knight? I can't believe they are even entertaining an idea of an extended dream sequence for the entirety of a season. When writer Jessica spots She-Hulk, she says, Isn't she supposed to have an inhibitor? She-Hulk gets mad at the writers for the stupid finale. She asks the writers where they got the original idea of the bad guy stealing her blood in order to give himself superpowers. I agree that there are certain things that need to happen in a superhero story, but this is a different superhero. So rework the story as per this superhero's character. Their counter-argument is this is the story Kevin wants. Kevin in the subtitles is abbreviated. She-Hulk demands to see Kevin, but the writers laugh in her face. I wish the writers had the power to laugh at the talent's face for every stupid idea they suggest, but this is not one of those moments. In response to She-Hulk, the writers say a variety of things like, No one talks to Kevin. His value is immeasurable. You'll never even get close to Kevin. And, I would murder you to protect Kevin. She-Hulk rightly points out that this is very creepy and unhealthy the way they are talking about Kevin. Disney's elevator doors open and She-Hulk walks into Marvel Studios. The guy at the reception makes her sign a non-disclosure agreement or NDA. It's pretty standard, everyone has to sign a NDA. The guy at the reception presses the alarm and the guards attack She-Hulk. This hallway fight is pretty reminiscent of Black Widow's hallway fight from Iron Man 2. Outside Kevin's office elevators, there's a Captain America poster that reads, I want you to put away your cell phone. When She-Hulk enters Kevin's office, there's a barrage of LED screens playing Marvel movies and the theme music of Marvel Studios plays in the background. An AI greets Jen. Kevin stands for Knowledge Enhanced Visual Interconnectivity Nexus. It has RGB lights, red, green and blue, the primary colors. There's a semicircular curve atop those RGB lights like Kevin Feige's baseball cap. This is genius. Kevin asks if She-Hulk were expecting a man. Jen was expecting a man instead of a giant AI brain. She asks if it makes all the decisions. It promises to answer all her questions, but she must transform back to Jennifer when the camera is off her because VFX team has moved on to another project. We can hear the Wakandan drums, suggesting that they have moved on to Black Panther Wakanda forever. Please do not overwork your VFX artists.
Kevin reveals it makes all the decisions. It possesses the most advanced entertainment algorithm in the world and it produces near-perfect products. Some are better than the others. Thank you for acknowledging that, Kevin. But you don't have to leave that debate to the internet. Jen expresses her concerns and disappointments with her story. Kevin says she doesn't get to choose. Jen asks, why not? It is my show. Kevin says, incorrect. To answer the question in the episode's title, it's Kevin's show. To be precise, Kevin Feige's show. Regardless of the creative ownership, I do agree it's a legal comedy. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is known for its big spectacle and high-stake plotlines. I agree. But it's often said that Marvel movies all end the same way. Kevin asks, who's saying that? I disagree with the previous statement a little. I don't think all Marvel movies end the same way. Jen says perhaps it's a result of following some unwritten rule that you have to throw a bunch of plot and flash and a whole blood thing that seems super suspiciously close to super soldier serum at the audience in the climax. Jen proposes that they don't have to do that. It distracts from her story. Her life fell apart just when she learned to be both Jen and She-Hulk. Those are her stakes and that is absolutely true. The AI processes this new data and asks her what she proposes should be the end. Todd shouldn't get Hulk powers. Bruce doesn't need to save the day. I understand that Bruce needs to explain what he was doing at Sakaar and that they wanted to introduce someone new. Jen asks them to save it for the movie. Jen wants to hold Abomination accountable for his actions. She wants the climax to be in daylight instead of nighttime. I've heard stories that it's a rule with many filmmakers who want to have the end of the movie in the daytime. It's nice and bright and gives a sense of hope. Jen would not mind seeing Daredevil again. A woman has needs. Historically, they have been light in that department. And Kevin agrees. Jen sits down on the floor because she has some more questions. What's with all the daddy issues? Tony Stark, daddy issues. Thor, daddy issues. Loki, same daddy, same issues. Star-Lord, two daddies, two issues. And when are we getting the X-Men? Kevin folds his arms and says, I cannot tell you that. I'm not in a hurry, Kevin. I'm not in a hurry. Jen even has some thoughts about the direction of season two. She obliterated the thrilling ending Kevin formulated. Well, that's what Hulks do. Bruce smashes buildings and She-Hulk smashes the fourth wall and bad endings and sometimes Matt Murdock. Girl, who wouldn't want to smash that? Kevin asks Jen to get back to the show. See you on the big screen. So Jen's next appearance is going to be in a movie? Jen is excited and asks, really? Kevin says, no. Jen responds, oh, whatever, Kevin. Hey, Kevin, Kevin Feige, are you listening? We need to talk. Back in the show, Jen warns Todd that she will see him in court. And we do see him getting prosecuted in the end credit illustrations. Daredevil literally falls from the sky to help Jen, but is disappointed to learn that the fight is over. Pug is curious to know if Jen and Daredevil hooked up and if they are a thing. Yes, they are. Titania greets Daredevil. How on earth does she know about Daredevil? Blonsky goes back to the DODC Supermax prison for 10 years for violating his parole. Matt Murdock joins Jen and her family for lunch. 
Jen's family wants to know all about Matt and how much money he makes as it's very expensive to raise kids in LA. Matt is the kind of guy you bring home to your parents. Bruce appears after visiting Sakar and returns with his son, Scar. When Jen introduces Bruce to Matt, I thought Matt knows who Bruce is. Outside the court, a reporter informs that the charges against She-Hulk were dropped. He asks She-Hulk for a comment. She-Hulk says, People like Todd need to be held responsible for their actions. The message she's sending is, If you attack, harm or harass innocent people, I'm coming for you, both in the courtroom and as a superhero. When I saw Benedict Wong's name in the credits as special guest star, I knew he would appear in the mid-credit scene. Cut to the mid-credit scene. Wongers opens a sling ring portal to Blonsky in the DODC Supermax prison. Wongers apologizes for the delay. Blonsky asks if he was sucked into another TV show. It could mean two things. Either Wongers was busy binge-watching a TV show that he got sucked into, or he is going to make an appearance in another Disney Plus Marvel show. Wongers replies, We are really in the era of peak TV. Wongers takes Blonsky to Kamarthaj along with him. Blonsky inquires about the guest policy, fridge and Wi-Fi at Kamarthaj. Last I checked, the Wi-Fi password was Shambhala. They are not savages. What the hell, Wongers? What are you doing getting Blonsky out of DODC Supermax prison? What the damn hell? You can listen to the awesome pod mix and subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music and Google Podcasts. If you like what I'm doing, I'll soon be launching the awesome pod mix page on Patreon and you can support me there. Thanks for listening.